Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It was an overwhelming picture. Anne and I and Pete and Cindy, Anne's folks, yesterday went to go see Oppenheimer. And we went down to the Vogue Theater in Manistee, and we were in the small theater, if you've ever been there. And no matter what row you're sitting in in the small theater, it's like you're standing front row at an IMAX, right? You're just right there, and there we are watching Oppenheimer. And if I can give you my one-word review of it, explosive. Mm. <laughs> but seriously, you're sitting right there and taking it all in. It's hard to see everything all at once. I mean, it's an explosive picture right smack dab in front of it. And while I was thinking about that, when we come to today's gospel, because here it too is an overwhelming picture. There's so much to try and take in all at once. We're seeing Jesus send out the disciples, and there they are in the, the midst of the storm. The wind and the waves are battering them. And then they see Jesus walking on the water, and they think, is it a ghost? What is it? What's happening? They're all screaming. They're crying out. And next thing you know, Peter is walking on the water as well. There is so much to take in. In this gospel, it's an overwhelming picture. But with such an overwhelming picture, it's easy to miss a little detail right at the beginning of our reading. And it's the detail that I want to draw your attention to. At the very beginning of that scene, it says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go out onto the sea. He made them do it. And the, the Greek word that's used there is very uh, vivid. It's this kind of forcing, a coerciveness. It's like your grandma grabbing you by the ear and saying, this is where you're going now. So Jesus does to the disciples. He makes them get into the boat and go out onto the sea. And why is that significant? Well, to me, it's significant and perhaps a little bit unsettling when you consider the fact that here our Savior knows undoubtedly full well what's about to happen. That he is sending them not out for a pleasure cruise on a beautiful day, but instead he's pushing them out right into the eye of the storm. Why would he do that? Why would he force the disciples, make them get on their little dinghy and go out into the sea right in the midst of a terrifying storm? It's the question I want to ask this morning. Not just because I think it's an interesting biblical interpretation point, but because you and I find ourselves in all manner of storms as well. And many times we're wondering, what is God up to in the midst of this? Where is he in this? Why does he make me go through it? And so let's ponder this this morning. Why does Jesus make the disciples get into that boat and send them right into the eye of this storm? Well, there's different ways that we can answer the question. And the first answer, perhaps the most obvious answer for me when you look at the, the full context of the story, is Jesus sends them out, makes them get on the boat to go away because he needs some solitude. Jesus, frankly, just needs some me time. 
We see that after he puts them onto the boat, he goes away, he says, all right, get out of here, guys. And then he goes and spends some time with the Father, some uninterrupted hours in prayer before his heavenly Father. Jesus is exhausted. He is fully God, yes, but he is also fully man. And he has been giving and giving and giving of himself. And so maybe he makes him get on that boat for the simple fact that he just has to have some quiet time to himself. I think every parent can agree that sometimes you just need that time, right? I really think there's something to this. I mean, Jesus demonstrates throughout his earthly ministry the importance of solitude and rest. In the midst of all of his busyness, there couldn't be a more essential, vital mission in the world, and yet still, he takes time to withdraw, to just be present with God the Father. I think this is an important lesson for you and I to take as well, to recognize that in the midst of our busy, accelerated lives, sometimes you've just got to stop. To that end, I guess I'm preaching to the converted here. I commend you for being here at church on Sunday, right? You have taken that time set apart to rest, but I would encourage you as well to follow our Lord's lead in this way. Day to day, setting aside that time for solitude, for peaceableness. We all need it all the time. Now that being said, is that really why Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat in this particular instance? Because he's just had his hair on fire long enough and he's like, listen guys, I just need a break. I'm going to say no, okay? I'm going to say no for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I mean, Jesus, he's the Lord of all, and if he wants to, if he really needs that time, he doesn't have to send them on a boat and push them away in order to get it. Like, he can do it in other ways, and in particular, and even more so, because Jesus, while he will say later, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves, he knows that he has a dangerous mission ahead for them. He's not going to needlessly put them in a place of danger. He's not doing this simply for the the fact that he has to have a little bit of time alone. And so to this question of why Jesus forces the disciples into that boat and sends them into the eye of the storm, as important as solitude is for him and for us, I don't think that's the fundamental reason why he does it here. So then what? Well, another reason, and perhaps the most common reason that's given, is that Jesus sends them out into that boat, into the storm, in order to test their faith. In order to test their faith, to see who or what are they really relying upon. You know, there was a book that came out a few years ago now by a guy named John Ortberg, and the the title of the book kind of says it all. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. You want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And so here was an opportunity to test the faith of the disciples. It's so easy just to to sit in the stern, or more to the point, to just stay on land rather than going out into the deep. For any of us, that's true. So sometimes perhaps Jesus needs to just push his disciples out there, get them out of their comfort zone, as we say, for them and for us. And so we see with Peter, Peter stepping out of the boat, taking that that step of faith, getting out. Here his faith is truly tested. 
And so you also, we ought to hear this and read this and see this, that Jesus wants you and me not merely to be comfortable in our lives of faith, not to be nice and cozy on the shore, but to go with him out into the deep and sometimes perhaps even to take that step of faith that seems so unreasonable and illogical, knowing that we can lean on him, knowing that he is there for us every step of the way. I think that is absolutely the case. And if that's the message that we draw from this story, I think there's definitely something to that. And yet there's also a weakness here, too, particularly if we look to Peter as our exemplar. Because you guys know your Gospels. You know Peter's reputation and his history. How often is Peter the positive example that we should all follow? Not often. There's really one instance, a couple of chapters after this story, when, Jesus, or when Peter proclaims, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And everybody's like, Hey, Peter's bright once. Wow, what do you know? But then right after that, he fumbles the football on the one-yard line. So there you go. Uh, Peter, more often than not, is not the positive example for you and me to follow, but he is lifted up precisely for his foolishness, his foolhardiness. And I think that's the case here, too. Because you notice, right after Jesus is walking on the water, he's right there before them, Peter, then what does he say? What's the first word out of his mouth? Lord, if it's you, hmm. Now, I know that I see you right in front of me walking on the wind and waves, and I know that you have just said, it is I, behold. And yet, I'm still wondering, could you perhaps uh, verify it for us in some other way? And then Jesus calls his bluff, right? It's like, okay, yeah, come on out to me on the wind and waves. You just imagine Peter in that moment thinking, why didn't I come up with some better test? Now I have to walk out onto the water. He does. My point being that Peter there goes as one who is distrusting and doubting the Lord. And even when he does take that step of faith, it's just a moment when quickly he is sinking. Yeah, his faith has been tested and it has failed. Matthew, in depicting this story in the gospel, I think he's showing us not so much, here's Peter's example that you and I should follow, but rather... Here's the the foolishness of Peter contrasted with, and here's the point, the kindness of Christ. That's what we really see in this story. Less an example for you and me to follow in Peter, but more a Savior for you and me to trust in. So when we ask the question, why did Jesus force the disciples out? If we say, in order to test their faith, well, Truly, that's one of the results of what happens. But I don't think that's his primary purpose. No, his primary purpose has to do with who he is. I want to say that the main reason that Jesus forces them into the boat and sends them into the eye of the storm is this. To show them what it means that he is Lord. To show them what it means that he is Lord. He puts them in the boat, forces them out onto the sea, into the midst of the storms. What a terrifying thing. Anyone ever been on a boat in the midst of a storm? Like, even if you're on a great big freighter, I gotta believe it's terrifying. And here they are just in this little boat in the midst of the, the wind and the waves all around them. And not only that, Matthew tells us that it's the middle of the night. It's the fourth watch of the night, which is between 3 and 6 a.m., 
which, you know, there's that old saying that it's always darkest right before the what? The dawn. This is the darkest time of night. In this bleakest moment. And it's precisely then that Jesus comes walking out on the wind and waves. Not for nothing. And not by accident. And then his words. Our translation is, Jesus says, take heart, it is I. But what he literally says is that great phrase so often used in the Gospel of John. Jesus' proclamation, I am. Jesus says, take heart, I am. That great name for God, the Lord, Yahweh, here he is. The one who was and who is and who is to come. Jesus says, take heart, I am. Do not be afraid. It's precisely in this moment, in that darkest of times and places, that he wants to show them, this is what it means for me to be I am. What it means for for me to be I am, to be the Lord, is that I am powerfully present to save. Here he is as the one, just as Job learned, the one who controls the wind and the waves, the one who says to the seas, thus far yet shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. He's the one who has that power over the deep, dark abyss. Jesus is showing them, are, are you scared of this? Guys, for me, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's no big deal. He demonstrates his lordship precisely in the midst of the wind and waves, in the face of the most dreadful fearsome events. That's where we see who he is. That for him to be the Lord means that he is powerfully present to save, precisely in the face of our greatest fears. And for me, that's a message that I need to hear. That's a word that we do need to trust, to know what it means that he is Lord. After the movie, Yesterday, Oppenheimer, we got together and we were talking over dinner and we were saying like, wow, are we afraid of the world that is yet to come for our kids? Say nothing for we ourselves. Because there are so many reasons for us to be anxious about the future, aren't there? The instability of our world, which seems to be hell-bent on blowing itself up creating all kinds of new technologies that are going to bring seemingly an end to humanity all sorts of things that are tearing our world apart. And in the face of all of these fears and all of these sources of anxiety, where do we look? Do we look to those wind and waves, all those things that simply cause us to sink where there is no solid foundation? No, we look to our Lord. We look to Jesus who is Lord, the one who says, I am, right in the midst of your greatest fears. He's powerfully present to save. And I'll close by giving you just uh, kind of a trivial, but to me a meaningful example of this in my own life that also has to do with water. Uh, I find myself six years ago, right about this week, and I know it because the gospel for that Sunday was the same gospel. And so the way the lectionary works, this is how I figure out time, okay? It's by the gospel readings. So it's about six years ago, and the family and I are up in Montana at Flathead Lake and I'm standing on a 12-foot high diving board, terrified. And I'm especially terrified because when I was a kid, I was always afraid of water. And I don't mean like drinking water, 
that would be really weird and difficult, too. I don't know. But like bodies of water, lakes, and not so much rivers, but great big bodies of water because I was, uh, was afraid of drowning. Now, as I got older, I learned to swim a little bit, and to this day, I'm an okay swimmer, but still, I get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes out on the water. Well, we're at this camp. We're up at Flathead Lake in Montana, and on the lake, there's this 12-foot-high diving board, and nobody wants to go on it because 12-foot-high might not look that big from down below, but when you're on 12-foot-high, it's pretty darn scary. But I'm looking at my kids as they're splashing around in the water, and they know some of my backstory with bodies of water, and I'm thinking, do I really want them to grow up with that same kind of apprehension and anxiety? And then in that moment, the Lord nudged me and spoke to me, and he said, don't be such a wimp. <laughs> he was speaking through the voice of my wife. <laughs> so I'm standing there on the top of this 12-foot high diving board, just terrified. And I call out to my buddy Mike down below. I'm like, Mike, when I get in the water, I need you to drag me out if I'm dying. And he's like, what? I'm like, just do it. Okay. I open my eyes and I just start walking. I don't do some beautiful Olympic-style swan dive. I just sort of do the most ugly fall off the end, right? <laughs> and I went down under the water and I came back up. Mike didn't even have to drag me out to the beach. <laughs> it was a small thing, but it was a meaningful thing for me to see in that moment, precisely in the face of my fears, the Lord was powerfully present to save. And so he is ever and always for you and me. Whatever anxieties, whatever fears are keeping you up at night, whatever storms are battering and beating you on a day-to-day -day basis, know that he is the great I am. Do not be afraid. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.